Good. Good to see you this morning. Hope that you have had a great weekend and glad that we can be here together to worship God. If you are visiting with us and you're looking around and saying it looks like a fair or some sort of craft show has shown up in here, well, it's kind of right. We're having a ministry fair this morning. And our hope is that after services, when we end, we might be able to end a little quickly if the preacher will be quiet soon enough, is that you have a little bit extra time before you leave this morning. We really hope that if you are if you're new here or if you've been a member here for a long time and you haven't quite found a place to to plug in yet we hope that you'll take the time to go around and to visit some of these uh, displays and see what's going on in a little while we'll at the end of services we'll have this map that's uh, shown on the screen now and you'll be able to see it's also in your bulletin there's a brief description of all the ministries that are currently uh, uh, displayed right here this is not an exhaustive uh, example of everything that we've got going on but it's a good example for if you're looking to get involved there's all kinds of things for you to be able to do. There's things that you can do uh, that are uh, specific to our congregation. There are some community events that you can be a part of. There's all kinds of good things that you can be a part of. So I hope that you'll take the time uh, to check those out. There's sign-up lists. We don't want you to just get the information. We want you to sign up for something. We want you to be involved. Uh, so again, uh, if, you're, if you're new here, if you've been, been a member at JA or if you've been visiting at JA for the last you know, six months or even a year, or if you've been a, a member here for, for a long time, but you just haven't quite figured out a place where you can plug in. There are places where you can plug in. And we hope that you'll take the opportunity to, again to learn some more about those things. Go ahead and sign up and be a part uh, of many of those things. This morning we're going to continue our series that we started last week on the name of God. And this morning we're talking about Yahweh Yira. Yahweh Yira, the God who provides. Uh, Genesis chapter 16 was read to us earlier, and it's this, uh, this story of Hagar, uh, who uh, is in a, in a difficult situation. Uh, she has been uh, just been in a, a tough spot that we're not going to take the time to even go into. Uh, but God sees her, and she is in need, and that's what she says. She recognizes when she feels all alone, and she's gone out, and she's ran away from uh, the people who uh, were taking care of her, and, and she had had a good relationship with, and she loses that relationship. Uh, God says, hey... I see you, I recognize you, Hagar, I know who you are, and I'm going to provide for you. And she calls God El Roi, a God who sees. And that, that idea there of El Roi, a God who sees, is the same idea of this name of God that we're talking about this morning. What we're doing in this series, what we're trying to do, is to look at the names of God and see what are these names of God, that the, the names that people called God or even that God called himself... What do they reveal to us about God today? So the name Yahweh Yira, it means the God or the Lord will provide. Uh, and it's interesting, though, as I was uh, studying this morning or studying this week for, for this lesson, uh, I was trying to, to look this up. And it's in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14. We'll get to that story here in just a little while. Uh, but the, the root word of Yira is Ra'ah. And it's, uh, it appears about a thousand times in the Old Testament. And it's really interesting because, listen, listen to this, okay? It, it is translated as the word see, like you see something, over 800 times. It's translated as look over a hundred times, as behold 83 times, as show uh, 68 times, and as appear 66 times. So most of the time in this thousand or even a little more over a thousand times where it's in scripture, it has something to do with I'm seeing you, I'm, you, you appear, behold, it's, it's this visual thing. But four times, only four times, 
Out of the word, when it's used over a thousand times, four times, it's translated as provide. And we really want to look at that and say, okay, well, when, when God calls himself, or when Abraham especially calls God uh, Yahweh Yira, why does he, why in that instance, in only four instances in all the Bible, when it's translated in so many different ways with something, a visual or something to do with your eyes, or it shows up, or you see it, why then is it translated as provide? Let me suggest to you that just like Hagar recognizes that God is a God who sees, that God's provision is so great. And this is not just true for the Old Testament characters or the New Testament characters. It's true for you today that God's provision is so great that if he sees you have a need, he will provide for that need. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that if that God is a God, that God's character is this way, that if God sees that you have a need, he will provide. That's what this name indicates. That's what, that's why he is called this name. That's why Hagar, a a pagan woman recognized uh, the God who sees and provided for her. This is why Abraham will call God Yahweh Yira, that he is the Lord who provides, that he saw a need and he did provide. And it's not just that he saw a need and he did provide. It's that when he sees needs, he does provide. Do you believe that to be true of the God you worship this morning. I believe scripture bears that out in other passages. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because the one who comes to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God sees you as you are seeking him, and he provides for you. He helps you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. I know you know this passage pretty well, but Matthew chapter 6, and let's look at verses uh, 31 through 33. You're using a pew Bible that's on page 812. 812, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Again, a familiar passage, just that passage where uh, Jesus says, Hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about so many things. It's really that, that worry passage where Jesus tries to tell us, Don't worry. And he summarizes it in verses 31 through 33. And I want you to notice something as we think about if God sees a need, He is a God who provides for that need. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Uh, There Jesus says, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For all these things, the Gentiles, those who don't follow God, they eagerly seek them. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So let's stop there, and we'll get to verse 33 in a second. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Well, if God is Yahweh Yira, what does that mean? God knows that you need all these things. He sees your need. And he will provide. Do you believe that about your God? Do you believe that if you have a need, God will provide it? That that's the God who he is. That that's the name that he goes by because that's the character that he possesses. Then in verse 33 it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Scripture bears out this name not only in the Old Testament, not only in the story of Abraham and other places, but it it bears out this this idea, this this character trait of God. Now, now you may be saying, well, Andy, I've had a need and God didn't provide. Can I I suggest to you, and this is not always easy to hear, and I've been there too, that if God doesn't provide, perhaps there wasn't a need? Maybe you perceived it as a need. Maybe it was your desire. Maybe it's what you wanted. Maybe you wanted it with all your heart. 
But if God didn't provide it, perhaps it wasn't really a need. Maybe it was something that that you were relying on or desiring or putting your trust in more than you were putting your trust in God. and, And God either did not give it to you at the time you asked it. Maybe he'll give it to you later. Or maybe he won't give it to you at all because he would rather you rely on him rather than your desires that you perceive as a need but may not be a need. Let's look at two examples from the Old Testament. Uh, first of all, in Genesis uh, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, that's on page 17 in your pew Bibles. We're going to read a long, long passages here, so I hope you'll turn there. Genesis chapter 22. Two examples of, of people's interaction with God's provision. One is positive and one is negative. We'll focus on the first one, the positive one first. This is where we, we first read this name, and really uh, one of the only places we read this name in all of Scripture, Yahweh Yira. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 22. Let's read verses 1 through 14. Again, a little bit uh, lengthy passage, but I hope that uh, it's something that uh, we'll appreciate as we go throughout the lesson. Okay, Genesis 22, 1 through 14. Now, it happened after these things that God tested Abraham. Okay, so there's where we're at in biblical story. Uh, Abraham's name has already been changed from Abram to Abraham. Uh, at this point, Isaac has already been born. He's the son of promise, the son that they've waited so long for. Uh, they're both in their 90s when they, when they have Isaac. And it's this promised child that through this promised child, there'll be uh, descendants and, and just all the wonderful blessings that will come along with it. Okay, uh, now it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and it said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take your son. Remember the son we just talked about, the son of promise the one who all these blessings are going to come through. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. It almost seems like, I I don't, God is not, God wouldn't do this, but when I read it, it's like he's rubbing it in. Hey, take your son. You know your only son? Yeah, you know the one you love? Take that son, and notice what it says to him, and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Now, we're talking about the character of God. We read that, and we're like, ah, that doesn't sound too great for the, character of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and we'll return to you. Then Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and put it on Isaac, his son, and he took his hand in his hand, the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac said to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire, you've got that and the wood, I've got that. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God, dad, we're going over here to where God's told us to make this burnt offering. And we've got everything we need, except for the one thing we really need, the sacrifice. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And he goes on to verse 8. And Abraham said, God will provide. What did he say? Yahweh, Yira. God will provide. For himself, the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and put him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took hold of the knife to slay his son. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said to him, do not stretch out your hand against the boy and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there was a ram 
after it had been caught in the thicket by its thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram, the, the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in the place for his son. Verse 14. And Abraham called the place, the name of that place, Yahweh Yira, the Lord will provide. And it said to this day, in the mount of Yahweh, it will be provided. That's a great story. It's an amazing story. It's almost an unbelievable story. You think about what was Isaac's mind, you know, as he's already asked the question, where's the burnt offering? What was Isaac's mind as, as he's being bound? What's going on in his mind? What's going on in Isaac's mind as he's laid on top of the wood? What's going on in Isaac's mind as, as Abraham takes the knife and, 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 and is seemingly ready to, to deal the, the killing blow? What's going on in Isaac's mind? And we're, we're amazed by all that and we don't have all the answers there. But then what happens? The Lord provides. Now what's really impressive to me in the success of this is back in verse 8. If you go back to verse 8, before they're at the mountain, before the altar is set up, before the wood is arranged, before Isaac is on top of the wood, Isaac asks the question, Father, I see that you have the, the fire and I've got the wood, but where's the lamb? And Abraham says, Yahweh, Yira. God will provide. Before he got there, before God provided, he trusted that God would provide. He, he didn't know exactly what that would look like. And we get a little more insight to this in Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of fame of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it's verse 17 through 19, where it says there uh, that, that Abraham believed in God so much that he knew that Isaac was, was the son was absolutely the one who all of the promises of God would be fulfilled through. But he also knew that God had asked him to do this strange thing, this difficult thing, this, this hard thing. And he knew that he needed to do it because he knew who God was and he accepted God. And he was going to follow God no matter what. And it says in Hebrews that he, he thought, he believed that God was even able to raise someone from the dead. That even if he had deal that, that, that striking, killing blow, that somehow God would still make it work. That God would what? He would still provide. And, in that, and, and again, that's to put yourself in Isaac's shoes, terribly difficult. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes, terribly difficult. What would you have done? What would I have done? Probably most of us would have done something different, different than what Abraham did. But Abraham followed God, he believed God, he trusted God, and because of that, God did indeed provide. Let's look at another, another example, one that's not quite as positive. Let's think about Moses. If you look in Exodus chapter 17, uh, Exodus chapter 17, well actually, I'm going to tell you what happens in Exodus 17. We'll be in Numbers chapter 12 here in just a few minutes. If you want to turn there, Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, uh, that's on page 128 in your Bibles. Uh, so again... Uh, God provides for Abraham more than, more than a lamb, more than a sacrifice. But, but in, that, in that process, he continues to provide that son, that promise, that, that faithfulness. But then we get to, to Moses. And we think about Moses. And Moses is, is a hero of the faith if there's ever been one. Uh, we, we think about the, uh, the exodus. We think about uh, escaping from Egyptian bondage. We think about the 40 years in wilderness wandering. And the great leader that Moses was leading probably literally multiple millions of people out of slavery and to the promised land. What a great man that he was. In, in Exodus chapter 17, this is uh, right after the people have exited Egypt and he's leading this large group of people, probably about a million at this point. Uh, and 
And they, they begin to complain. You may remember this in Exodus chapter 17. They begin to complain because they've escaped the Egyptians. They've crossed over uh, the, the Red Sea and the Egyptians have been destroyed. But this is before Mount Sinai. So it's before the uh, Ten Commandments. They get out there and they're in a, a desolate place, a wilderness. Not really quite a desert, though your Bible may say that. But, but a wilderness, a desolate place, a place where there's not a whole lot of water. And the people get, begin to complain. Imagine you've got a million people to provide for. And while the Egyptians gave you some food and water and provisions, that's not going to last very long for a million people. And they get there and they get thirsty. And then not only is one person or 10 people or 100 people, but a million people are complaining, hey, we're thirsty. Moses, why'd you lead us out of, of Egypt? It would have been better for us to have stayed there in Egypt, even to remain slaves. At least we would have had water to drink. But now you've just led us out here into the wilderness to die. And you may remember how God fixes this. Moses cries out to God and says, God, what can I do? How can we fix this? And it tells us there that he takes the, the staff of God that God had given to him. It's the same one that he, he would have thrown down on the ground and it would have turned into a snake and he would have picked it back up and it would have turned into a rod again. And he says to him, go to this rock and I'll be there and you strike the rock and water will come forth. And that ha- that's what happens. And it's amazing. And notice, I want you to notice one thing from Exodus chapter 17. In verse number seven, here's the, the impetus for why this happens and what the main concern was. The people asked this question as they were beginning to follow Moses, who is following this new God. Remember, we talked about this last week, that the first time the name of God, Yahweh, is revealed is when Moses, it's revealed to Moses and Moses reveals it to the, the Israelites. Here's the question they ask in Exodus seventeen seven: Is Yahweh among us or not? Is he our God? Is he going to take care of us? Did we, did we follow this, this, this idea that you presented to us in vain? Is he here or not? Is he going to show up when we need him? Is that the kind of God that we're going to serve? Now in Numbers, Numbers chapter 20, we'll read verses 8 through 13. Numbers chapter 20, a very similar story happens here, but it's at the very end of the wilderness wandering. It's right before the Israelites are going to enter into the promised land. So 40 years later, 40 years later, Uh, This is what happens in Exodus chapter 20. Let's read verses 8 through 13. Uh, The people have already rebelled. They're complaining again. Again, they don't have water. They've come to another place in their journeys where there's not a whole lot of water. Probably multiple millions of people now. And they're complaining about water again. And God and Moses are beginning to have this conversation. And God says in verse 8, Take the rod and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them. Uh, out of the rock and let the congregation and their beast drink. So Moses took the rod before Yahweh, from before Yahweh, just as he had commanded him. And Moses gathered the assembly the, uh, before the rock and he said to them, listen, listen to this, there's, there's something a little off here, okay? I don't know that we, we don't have time to, to go into it all, but, but there's something a little off here. Notice Moses' words here as he speaks to the people in verse number 10. Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water from you out of this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came forth abundantly and the congregation and their beast drank. Now again, let's appreciate the miracle to start with. I don't know what this rock looked like. I don't know if it was a, a big rock that looked kind of like the, uh, you know, a boulder or if it was a rock on the ground. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but he strikes the rock twice. And what happens? Enough water comes forth, not only to water all of the multiple millions of people, but also all of their animals. That's a lot of water. 
That's an impressive thing. God does this amazing thing, and we, we appreciate that. But we see some, we see some frustration. We see some, some anger, perhaps, from Moses here. Because the, the first time, the impetus seemed to be, the, the focus seemed to be, the people were questioning, is God, is Yahweh with us or not? And God shows up, and the answer is, yes, God is here, and he's caring for you. He sees your need, and he provides But when Moses says, listen up, you rebels, you people who keep causing me problems, he could have went on because they caused him a whole lot of problems and they rebelled against him multiple times. He could have went on disparaging comments about the Israelites. But he says, listen up, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you? And then he strikes the rock twice, seemingly in frustration or anger. And we're amazed because the water comes forth. And and again, God provides But the ending of this story is a little different. Look at verse 12. But Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. And we say, wait a second, God, what's going on? Moses, you know, Moses was one of the ones, you know, everybody else that was, you know, 20 years old and older, they're the ones who died in the wilderness. That's why they had to have that wilderness wandering. And, and now Moses and Aaron, some of the only ones who are left alive from that group of people. Now, the one who's been leading this, this large group of people for so long, you're telling him that he can't go into the promised land because he struck the rock. See, I don't think it's so much because of his anger. I don't think it's so much even because he, he struck the rock. Well, let me, let me suggest to you, when we think about Yahweh Yira. That somehow something was going on, the frustration had gotten to Moses, whatever it was, that instead of solely and completely relying upon God to provide, he said to the people in his frustration, hey, I'm going to take care of this and you're going to listen to me, you rebels. And he strikes that rock and he says somehow, he thought somehow, he demonstrated somehow, well, I hit the rock before and it worked. I'll hit the rock twice this time. Maybe it's in anger, whatever it is. But he's not fully relying upon just God. There's a problem here. It's, a, it's the same lack of faith, the same lack of trust that led to the Israelites not inheriting the promised land that Moses is not able to inherit the promised land either. Let me wrap this up so we have a little extra time. Do you rely completely on God for your daily provision? Remember that Lord's Prayer? Give us this day what we need. Give me this, my daily bread that kind of prayer that the, the model prayer gives to us? Do we rely fully upon God, please give me what I need? Or do we trust in and focus on me being able to get it or us being able to, to earn it or uh, deserve it or any of those things? Or do we fully trust in God, I, I know that you'll see my needs and I know that you'll meet my needs. And this is not a, we don't do anything, we don't work hard, we don't live well. But do we fully trust in God or do we trust in ourselves at all? And maybe even more than that, do you fully trust in God for your salvation? Do you fully trust that, that God is the one who, who sees you have that need and he's the one who, present, who pr- provides for that need? It's interesting. We go back to the story of Abraham really quickly. Uh, and when Abraham goes and offers up Isaac, he goes to a specific place. He goes to Mount Moriah. Uh, and just a few years later, hundreds of years later, perhaps, uh, Solomon will build the temple on Mount Moriah. And 2,000 years after Abraham offers up Isaac, Jesus will be condemned in the temple that's on Mount Moriah. And then just outside of that temple, God will not provide a ram. Instead, he'll provide the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 
As John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 and verse 29, you see, God is a God who sees and provides to meet our needs. Most importantly, he's the one who sees your need and my need for salvation. He saw that before the world began and he created us anyway. He saw that before he said, let there be light and there was light. He saw that you would struggle to follow him, to be everything that you would have him to be. And he provided the answer before the first day ever was. He had a plan. And the plan is that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that you believe that he's the resurrected son of God, that you'll name him as the Lord of your life, turning away from the world and turning towards him. You'll submit to baptism where in that baptism, all the blessings of spiritual life and the forgiveness of sins are found through the blood of Jesus Christ. Then you can rise up and walk in newness of life and follow after him. God saw your greatest need before you were born, before the earth saw its first day, and he provided. And that's true, and I I hope you'll appreciate that more than anything. But when you eat lunch here in a little bit, God has provided for that in some way. The next breath that you take, God provided that. The next decision that you make, God provided with you the ability to make that decision. God, Yahweh, Yira, is a God who provides. What's Yahweh mean? Do you remember that? Yahweh means I am or to be. So if we put Yahweh and Yira being to see and to provide, God is saying in his name, Yahweh, Yira, I am the provider. That's who I am. When we have deeds, God is the one who will meet those needs. And I know, and I, like I've said, I, I've been there when, when what I perceive to be my need isn't met. And maybe I need to understand that maybe that wasn't my need or that wasn't my need in the moment. And I still need to seek and follow after God. This morning, what need do you have? In all of our lives, it may be different. We're in different spots. We've got different things going on. But one thing all of us have in common is we have a need of a savior. Sin has separated us from God. And God has made a way. He's provided the way to fix that. This morning, are you walking along with the Lord? Uh, If you're struggling, if you're a Christian and you're struggling to follow along with God, again, let me encourage you. Hey, we're about to take a few moments right after services to find ways to plug in. Uh, It's, it's, you don't, you don't have to do any of these things, but any of these things will make your walk with God easier and sweeter. It'll help it make it easier because you'll be with more Christians more often and it'll make it sweeter because you'll be serving the Lord alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. I encourage you to take the time to do that. But if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're a Christian who's struggling and you haven't been relying upon God, now's the time to fix that, to make that right. And if you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.